the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 166 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Justin Hughes 365. Andrew is at AMCQ82, and our podcast official account is at Baseball365Pod. It's part two of the first base preview. Andrew and I talked about all the first basemen ranked 1 through 15 in the NFBC rankings on the last episode. So if you have not done so yet, go download that one and give it a listen first. And then come back and tune in, tune in here because here we've got everybody after 15. So let's get started. Enjoy. All right, next up we got uh, three more third basemen. We got Alec Baum, our first baseman, who is first base el- third base eligible. I just decided I'm going to save him for the third base episode. We got Isaac, per- Isaac Paredes, uh, first base, third base at 174. And we got Vinny Pascantino at 178. So between Pascantino and Paredes, wh- who would you rather have of those two? I would take Vinny over Paredes. Okay. Um, with Vinny, well, I guess I'll start with Paredes because he's slightly higher over the last. What'd you say this was the last month? Yes, this is the last thirty yeah. days from when I made the notes on Monday. Yeah, so maybe the start most stark one yet. Isak Paredes last season, twenty three barrels and thirty one home runs. Mm-hmm. More home runs than barrels, which is like impossible. It's worse than what we said with uh, with Bellinger. Uh, I was on Paredes last year. I liked him a lot. I was getting him around like round 19, round 20. Now he's going in round 12. I don't really see much reason to draft him here. Uh he doesn't hit the ball as hard as you would just think. Like if you if you just said if you haven't looked at Isaac Paredes's baseball savant page, go look at it. It's um, it's not what you would think. It's ugly before before you open it up. It's pretty ugly, yeah. Uh, and I just I I kind of looked at last year like okay, this guy could help. He had the eligibility. I forget what his eligibility was exactly last year, but I think it was more than. The first base, third base. I think base he had he shortstop now. also. I think it was second. I maybe that, it wasn't short. Maybe that's what it Pretty is. Pretty sure it wasn't short. But I kind of look at it like that, what he did, was pretty much a ceiling year. He was the 80th best hitter, and he's currently going as about the 107th hitter off the board. He was the 12th best first baseman. I think that's kind of the best that you could expect. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't see myself getting any Paredes, you know. but I'm glad I, I like what he did for me last year. I just, I just think this is now we've hit kind of the top of what he can be. And I'm out whenever I, I wasn't even paying attention to him last draft season. You know, I got into playing really late 
as but I you know it caught my attention as he was playing really well early in the year and I'd go look at his data and I'm because there were people talking to me and for about like do asking trying to tra- get trade him to me in di- in my other dynasty league and as I looked at what he was doing like I'm like yeah I'm not interested it was hard for me to buy into what he was doing for the cost that it would be to get him I'm like yeah I'm not buying him at his current production because this just doesn't seem real. You know, he's got an uppercut swing. He does have a high launch angle, but he just doesn't hit the ball hard. He doesn't barrel. I, that batting average was at 250, and his expected batting average was 226. I mean, his four seasons in baseball, have his um, expected batting average has been 212, 225, 210, 226. And, yeah, yeah he I, he's going to be a low batting average guy very likely. Who should hit home runs just because of the fact that the uppercut swing? But yeah, I don't. It's hard for me to bank on what he did. What's he projected to hit? Twenty six home runs. I think that's even possible. I just don't want to. I just don't. I don't want him personally. Um, the other, the other thing that I wonder too with him is, you know, what team he's on, mm-hmm. and if there's any kind of slump or struggle. I mean. The Rays do everything they can to platoon guys and to get creative in all sorts of ways that you may not see coming. And I could see, uh, I could see if he's struggling, him losing playing time. Yeah, I, I definitely, sure. I definitely think that that's an outcome. It's not like he's an elite defender. It's not like he. I mean, he does. I guess he does walk a good amount, so that helps for sure on that team. And he doesn't strike out a lot, which is good. Those those two things he definitely has covered. But um, yeah, I just wonder about it a little bit. Um, and like for example, they don't on their roster resource page, they don't even have Junior Caminero listed in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And I think mo- I think most people would agree he's probably one of their better hitters if not right away at least you know later part of the year so yeah just just all um all to say i'm I'm just not in on paredes at the elevated cost now off of a career season i mean he is still young but yeah i think it's time to sell yeah moving over to Vinny p you know he's better than that the only reason he's here is because of that injury last year and that's the hard part about drafting him like we'd be projecting him to be better than what Paredes says but we just don't know how well he's going to recover from the torn labrum that's why he's where he is but um if he's healthy I mean he's probably a guy who's going to hit in the high 200s like a 270 290 hitter with 20 to 25 homers and yeah I, I, I really like the player that he is um but you know what are your thoughts on taking Vinny here with the questions about that labrum tear and how healthy he'll be because we just don't know yet yeah i've taken Vinny in a couple drafts um i do think that he's a risk for sure you can't assume a ton coming off of torn labrum it's hard to know i don't think anybody really truly knows exactly how it's going to affect him but i I like the price. I think the price is fair. I think it's a, a massive discount for where you were getting him last year. And I still think that he should hit, like he should help you in 
batting average and power. He walks um, like some of those skills. I don't I don't really see those going away. It's it's probably just going to come down to how much power he hits for. Um, but one thing that I do keep in mind when I draft Vinny is I'm kind of aware of what else I'm doing at first base. Like I'm not just taking Vinny and going, I'm good. Yeah. I don't need another first baseman, you know. In uh, the last one that I that I took him, I took uh, I took Vlad, you know, early, and then Vinny was my corner. So I think that if you're taking Vinny, it's fine. I think the price is fine, but I would just pair him with a guy that you feel good about, whether whether it's a guy that goes way higher or a guy that's in this range that you feel more confident in exactly what you're getting. And then, you know, you can you can still dream on Vinny. I mean, I still think that a lot of that is still present. It's just hard to know exactly because um, there's a lot of lot of uncertainty there. So yeah. Just be, just be aware of that. If he's healed and he's who he was before, you're getting a great buy here. If if he's yeah. not, I mean, you could be you could get you could be getting very little to nothing. We just don't know. And that's the thing with him. And I, I like your take there about, you know, get him as a first. Like if you take him as a corner make sure like you have a strong steady first one and probably want to make sure you have at least one first base eligible guy by the beginning of the first round or beginning of the reserve rounds if not like a first base outfield guy you're playing in the outfield something like that and yeah i would also oh no sorry go ahead no you're good if you're if like i wouldn't be if you're waiting on first base i wouldn't be taking a stab at him and then maybe you've already got your third base positions filled like third base and corner is a third baseman and you just don't have much behind him. You need to have yourself some protection just in case, but it could pay off really well. I would also be patient with Vinny too. Like if you, if you draft him, whether it be in a redraft league, I'm more so talking about leagues with trades, whether it be a redraft or even in a dynasty, if, if he starts off the season not the greatest, a little bit slow, I think that some of that is probably to be expected. We'll see how he looks in spring, but I wouldn't invest in him. And then after April, be like, you know, a, kind of not the greatest April, just be like, oh, I'm going to just sell him for whatever I can get. I think it's likely he has a better second half than first this season, just coming off the injury and stuff. So I would just be aware of that. Probably don't expect him to be roaring out of the gate, you know, but, um, yeah, I still like Vinny overall. I still think he's set up to be pretty productive in the next two to three years. I hope that shoulder is just healthy because yeah, yeah, the Royals need desperately need it too. in that organization. Yeah, definitely. The next three are grumped, grumped together, grouped together. We got Reese Hoskins, who's a free agent at two Oh six. Heimer Candelario, uh, who's first base and third base eligible. He's now in Cincinnati at 208 and Nathaniel Lowe at 208. Just how do you feel about these three guys in general? I don't really have a like a question here. Just how do you feel about them? Uh, I think Hoskins is a solid buy for power, kind of like what you've always expected. I don't see a ton of reason to think that that's gone. I'm really curious to see where he signs. Uh, I don't actually think this, but I was kind of making the joke that the Rockies would pay him a bunch or something. (laughs) Um, Which case, I mean, that would be great for his fantasy value playing in course, but I don't think that's going to happen really. I just, I'm not 
Sure, you got any, you got any takes on that? Where are, he, are the Cubs going? Like, are the Cubs? Do they have an opening? Because they're the team I think of, but I don't know if that's legit. Yeah. Or if I read it somewhere. Yeah, it could be. I wouldn't be too stunned by that. I, I think he's still uh, kind of what we expected. So, I don't. I think it, you could be getting a good buy here. Uh, Candelario, good landing spot. Not the greatest uh, hard hit data and stuff like that, but. I do think he can play on the corners for them. Another guy, like, I don't think that the Reds, when they went out and got him, I was a little confused because I was like, they're already loaded in the infield. Mm-hmm. Why are they going and getting Jamer Candelario? But I don't think that they went and did that just to, like, not play him. So I think it's really likely that he plays a lot, um, even though he's not as exciting as some of the other guys on that team, you know, I just, I think they're going to play him. I don't think that they would do that not to. So, and then with low, um, he's always been kind of a, a different build type of guy to me too. Like, kind of like I was saying with Naylor and, and Yandi, but, um, I don't hate the cost of these guys where they're at. I, I definitely like Hoskins the most because I think he just has the most power upside. And, when I'm taking corner bats down the board here, I'm mostly just looking for power. I'm not really trying to think like, oh, I mean, there's there's maybe one or two guys coming up that I think, oh, he could help me in batting average. But if I think that's coming with 15 homers or something, I'm not too interested. So I'm mostly just looking at power. I think Hoskins has power. I'm interested in him. Haven't gotten him yet. Um what do you think about these guys? Yeah, I got I got a, a Hoskins share. I think in my auction draft I just did. I think he's my corner infielder, and yeah, I I think he's kind. He was really consistent before the injury. As I was looking at like the uh, expected batting average, I didn't write it down, but I felt like I th- I think it was very consistent in terms of what he was expected to be, and he was his batting average was usually right in that department along with thirty home runs. So, yeah, and it was a knee injury. We're not talking like Pascantino where it was a shoulder that could affect his power. He like Wasn't it a torn, torn ACL? Uh, I think that or Achilles. I forget. Who? Was it ACL? I want to say it was ACL, but yeah, I'm not certain. You're probably, you're probably right. I'm not positive. I just, like, I don't worry about that affecting you when you're coming back as a power-hitting first baseman. So, yeah, I think he's going to be the same guy he was. Um, Candelario, you know... And also with you that when I'm taking first baseman at this point, I'm probably looking at power. So I'm with you. Candelario has been in tough ballparks for hitters. I'll give him that. And now is going to be in one of the best in baseball. So I do think it's possible that he goes out and hits 25 homers this year. Cause I like you, I think he's going to play, but um, I don't know if I'm seeking him out it, but you know, first base, third base eligibility is nice to have. I'll give him that. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe is not a data darling at all, and he had a drop in all of uh, pretty a lot of the Statcast metrics over in Savant. The b- exit velocity, barrels, hard hit, all of them took a dip this last year. Um, he hit 27 homers in 2022 and only 17 this last year. And unless he can start hitting the ball harder again, I think he's clo- going to be closer to that 17 homer guy. But he is in a great lineup, and I don't think he's getting unseated. So, you know, he could be a guy who is at least getting you counting stats there. 
But um, yeah, I draft Hoskins in the right spot. I don't. I might take Candelario, but I don't think I'm in on low. I think that's kind of my take on those three. Yeah, I I wonder a little bit, and low definitely qualifies for what I'm about to say. But I always wonder when it's like a guy that I don't think is elite, and he's in an elite lineup mm-hmm. or on an elite team on an elite team. I always am just thinking like that guy is a slump from being from losing playing time pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like what I said with with Paredes. I do think he's in a little bit better spot based on the season he just had. But but yeah, with Lowe, it's like you don't see how he could lose playing time yet. But it could. But but it could, I think. Especially when you consider it's a first baseman. Like a lot of guys can play first base. It's not like he's adding tons of defensive value, although I think he's pretty good at first base defensively. So it's, yeah, he's, he's a tricky one, but, and I'm not picking on him specifically. I just, I wonder about that often when I think about middling players on great teams. And I think he's, he's one of those guys. I also think of it too, when I'm thinking about middling players that are on bad teams, it's like, yeah, he may not be the best, but he's also probably not going anywhere because Unless he's just horrendous, they're going to give him rope, you know, stuff like that. I just think about those things. Yeah, they got they have some prospects in the minors that could debut this year. I mean, Langford, we're going to see. They've got Dustin Harris, Justin Foscue. There's some guys that if they're playing like they're they were in AAA this last year that if they are having a good early part of the season and he's struggling, yeah, they could bring them up and maybe they try to work one of them in there. I don't I I don't remember if Dustin Harris has any first base. Um, experience or not? I I want to say I feel like I I, I think I should, so. I think so. I too. believe so. Yeah, I believe so. So yeah, I mean that's a possibility right there. So good point there. All right, we got our next group. Um, twenty-two to thirty. These are all first basemen going between two twenty-seven is the first one and three twenty-three. So these are end game. Late, you know, end game of the starting rounds here. We got Brandon Drury with an ADP of 227 at 22 overall. Ryan Mountcastle is at 237. Andrew Vaughn uh, is at 237. Justin Turner, who's a free agent, at 258. Josh Bell at 274. Anthony Rizzo is at 283. Jose Abreu is 286. Ty France is 311. And Wilmer Flores, first base and third base eligible, at 323. So who sticks out of this group as guys you'd grab as a kind of a late round corner utility guy? I actually don't mind a lot of these guys. Uh, I kind of like Drury. I think Drury's one of those guys, like I just mentioned, on kind of a, I mean, he's on a bad team. He's got first base, second base, uh, 26 and 28 homers the last two years, 27th in baseball with 54 total. Uh, I don't really see any scenario that he isn't playing. I mean, especially because he can play multiple positions and the team just, there's, there's nobody else, you know, he's probably one of their best hitters, even though he's not great. So I like Drury playing time, dual eligible. Um, I've drafted him and probably will, won't be the last time. I mean, I, I see myself probably grabbing a few more shares of him. Uh, Mountcastle has pretty good hard hit data. 
and is obviously in an elite lineup. Justin Turner, solid. I think when Justin Turner signs, he probably shoots to the top of this group. And, yeah, I like Rizzo a little bit on a bounce back. Um, yeah, I think most of the guys in this group are okay to grab here. I don't really, like, hate, hate any of them. But nobody that's, like, a game-changer option, I don't think. But guys that could I, – I mean, there's probably one or two guys from this group that could elevate themselves to, like, the Josh Naylor, Yandy Diaz area, you know? So I don't uh, I don't mind this tier. What do you think? There are three guys that really stuck out to me, uh, Turner, Drury, and Rizzo. So guys, you said, um, you know, Turner, his skills are fading. And he could hit a wall at any point. I think this might be a little bit of sentimental. I just love the kind of hitter that he is. And the good me too. The good yeah, part, I love him. The good part is you're not paying the price for him you used to. So I think I would still take the chance. Jury two straight seasons of home run totals in the high twenties, first base, second base eligibility. And I heard you talking about being really in on Rizzo. And I I did the digging this week, and I was like, man, you know, his stat line doesn't look great, but he was having an incredible April and May before the concussion problems. On May 31st, so that's, um, at this point, he had played 53 games, and he was hitting 304 with 11 home runs, 30 runs, and 32 RBI. And if, you know, he has those concussion problems behind him, he could easily be a steal at this price. So... I mean, I'm not saying I'm projecting a 300 hitter, but I mean, they did, you know, they did change the rules for the shifts, and that's a good thing for helping these guys. You know, Rizzo was always, or the previous few years, his batting average had been falling, and maybe that's one of those things that was helping him out. I, I don't know. It's hard to look at that underlying data for small samples whenever you're trying to look at Savant. So it is a little, and then he had the concussion. So it's really hard to look and get an incredible feel of what, what kind of like what he was doing and if it was batted ball luck or not. But yeah, I'd buy on the rebound. Um, is Jose Abreu cooked? Uh, like, I just wanted to ask you that question. I, man, he sure looked cooked early in the season. I, he 72 WRC plus in the first half, 109 in the second. I think, I think that there's, there's a chance that he's okay, I think, but I don't, I'm not really looking into him too much or looking at him too much. He's probably one here that I'm less likely to draft. Uh, I do think Rizzo, like you were mentioning, if he's healthy, I I just think that was the main issues with Mm him um, last season. And one of those guys that isn't likely to like lose playing time or anything like that. So I actually think, and I haven't done this, but I think that you could get away with in a draft waiting until this tier to grab your first baseman. I think you could get away with it. I, I as, as, as long as you felt good about the rest of your team, which you're going to, if, if, uh, if you're waiting this long and you felt good about one or two of these options, I'd probably grab two of them. Um, yeah, I think you could get away with like a Rizzo Turner combo or Mount castle and, Ty France or, you know, whoever you like, it's, it's fine. Whoever you, you like here, but I think you could get away with that at this position and probably make it work as long as you were strong everywhere else. Um, I actually did that in my second draft. I did, um, 
I didn't take two of them, but I took I took my starting like I was strong everywhere, and Justin Turner is my first baseman. Like my third was Machado. I took Arenado, who I thought fell. Like Machado and Arenado both fell, and I just decided to think of first baseman as my corner infielder, and I took Justin Turner really late. Now, like I my backups, like I could hit a problem because I don't have any other first base eligible guys in my lineup, and my backups are like Jake Cronenworth. So, um, I, if, if it goes south for, or Turner gets hurt, I'll be weak there, but that's my weakest position. Like going up and down the rest of the lineup on that team, I really like it. So I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, like I said, I don't mind it. I, I'm not like going into a draft typically. I mean, I may try it once, but I, I, most likely I wouldn't be going into it saying that's what I'm trying to do but if i just happen to miss on some of my targets earlier i think i think you could make it work you're the ceiling here though and this is why i said i i didn't mind the guys at the top or a lot of the reason the ceiling here is probably like the 10th to 12th best first baseman you know you're not you're not gonna get a top five top six top eight guy out of these guys, you're just mostly hoping you can hit on like a back end top, call it 10 to 12 uh, first baseman, which I do think you could get one or two of these guys that could do that. But I don't think they have like that high, high end upside, but you don't need that here. I mean, return on investment is, is good. And I think you could get that out of, out of some of these guys. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that was really well said there. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the next group. These are first basemen 30 through 40. So at this point, we're pretty much into the reserve rounds. Um, Kyle Manzardo is the first one. You know, he he's probably the exception. He, I think he's one that's going in the starting rounds in most drafts. He's at 336. Luke Rayleigh now with Seattle at 352. He's first base and outfield eligible. Alex Kirloff also first base outfield eligible at 359. Jake Cronenworth, 359, first base, second base. DJ LeMahieu, first base, third base at 372. Lamonte Wade at first base outfield at 388. Elahuris Montero at 393. Uh, Ryan O'Hearn, also for outfield eligible at 408. Nathan Chenwell. I actually don't even know if I've heard his name said out loud. What? Chenwell? How close? Nolan, Nolan Chenwell, I believe. Shinwell. Okay. Uh, 411 and Carlos Santana at 424. So lots of names here, lots of guys with first base and outfield eligibility. Manzardo is kind of separated from the rest, like in in term, like he's an ADP that's actually like I think he's going as a starter in a lot of these leagues still. So I thought we'd start up with him. You know, he tore it up in the AFL after struggling during the season, you know. I think he's going to be up, like, if not opening day, really early on. <laughs> I just noticed in my notes I put him on Tampa Bay. Oops. <laughs> he's in Cleveland now. So, do you, like, what are your thoughts on Manzardo for this year? Let's start with him. Yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten him in any drafts yet. I think a lot of that is because I'm getting my first base and corner earlier than this. Uh, if I knew that I could get Manzardo at the spot that I wanted, I'd potentially wait and take him as my corner or my UT. But I don't think there's many pivots from it. Like if I miss him here, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to 
like there's nobody else or you know these guys going behind him um i don't think any of them have nearly the upside he does i think that's pretty clear so it's kind of a gamble if you're just banking on that as a strategy like i'd just be you, you kind of almost would have to get aggressive on him and take him higher i think if that's what you were trying to do but yeah i think that there's probably a good chance that he's playing every day right from the start or you know i mean we've ragged on the the guardians lineup for a while i know especially me and i mean he could probably be their second best hitter immediately um or it's at least possible you know so second third best you know whatever but um yeah i i don't mind him here just be aware that if you want him and you're kind of banking on that, like there, there's not a ton of similar options afterwards. So I would just be aware of that. But yeah, I don't, I don't mind Manzardo. I, I think it's a little bit of a leap of faith, but I also do think that it just makes all the sense in the world for them to just let him run, let him go with it, you know, and uh, see what happens. They don't have, they don't have many better options if any no they don't um you know as you were saying what you were saying about you know the nobody behind him i thought well who are the first base outfield eligible guys you could have drafted early that maybe you're you know you drafted them you drafted maybe a rizzo to be your corner but you could stick that guy in the outfield at the end of the draft if you get manzardo but if you don't you can go on and put manzardo in uh, like you can you can put an outfielder you can put him in the first base slot and just draft an outfielder but then i when i was looking at the first base outfield guys going early that's spencer steer and cody bellinger and as you and i have already said we're not really too high on the prices on those guys this year so maybe maybe that's not a good strategy to go either um Manzardo, he was a top 10 prospect on the list going into this last year, and obviously his season was a disappointment. Start, He did start out well in April. I had him in both of my dynasty leagues, and I was paying attention, and he was doing really well. And then tapered off, and I think he had a shoulder injury, and I never hurt. Like, I think there was some stuff going on in the personal life that was also affecting him to where he had a lot happening. And then the AFL happened, and he tore it up. Yeah, I don't know if I'm seeking him out, but as, again, in my notes said, I've usually filled my corner infield slot too, but I think he could be a bargain if you got him here. Like, whoever was to be the one to play the game of chicken and one, I think it would be a, I think it could be a bargain. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think it could be too. I, I think you have to, like, kind of like with all rookies that we haven't seen yet, just be a little, um, you know, don't overshoot, like, what you think he can do like projection wise and don't expect too much too soon and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if at the end of the season, we're sitting here talking about guys who made an impact and he's one of the guys we're talking about. I definitely could see it. So moving on to the rest of the list, we got Luke Braley, who's now gone from Tampa to Seattle. I don't think we've um, talked about him a lot as a player, you know, does much do you think much has changed here in terms of going from Tampa to Seattle where Seattle does need guys in their lineup and maybe maybe his playing time feels a little more more secure there but just what are your thoughts on Rayleigh and then going to Seattle you know 
I I actually really liked him last season. I mean, all it's all relative, you know. Like, obviously, I don't think he's a stud or anything, but for how he was valued, uh, I traded for him in a dynasty last year. Um, he's he was really productive. I I I wonder a little bit about changing teams, how that all affects things. It's hard to say exactly, but yeah, he was really good against righties. That was a lot of why I liked him. I mean, obviously the Rays platoon everybody, but yeah, he, he played well um, and chipped in steals, dual eligible. He's one of those guys. I, I think I've drafted him once this season and I've got a dynasty share, but I don't mind him here. If you're looking to fill those holes, like a, patch guy that you hope you don't have to use a ton but on a weekend where they're playing three righties totally could see using him i don't think he's going to play much or at all against lefties so just be aware of that but yeah i don't i don't mind him okay what about the rest of the list here just going down um you know we got ryan O'Hearn. he played well in baltimore bloated roster like do you how many bats do you think he gets this year do you think because he he got close to a full season of a bats this last year i think Oh boy, like on a bat projection. I don't know what they have projected for, but I want to say it's in the four hundreds. Um, I'm loading it right now. He's projected for four twenty seven after I guess he got three sixty eight last year, so I'm overshooting what he got. But by the you know, yeah. he was playing a lot there in the second half. Yeah, I think I think I would take the under on that, but more to do with the rest of the team. Yeah, they have a lot of and him just, Yeah, and him just being like a run-of-the-mill 30-year-old on a really good, you know, in a really good organization that he's he's going to really have to crush, I think, to keep getting those at-bats. I'm not – I like where he sits right now, roster resources, they show him hitting cleanup. And obviously, if that was the stick all season, he'd be a huge value. But, yeah, I don't I don't think I really see that, so – what about Nolan Shenwell? You know, that guy is a unique one. Like, you know, when I see what he's, his profile, and I hadn't looked up this guy's profile till right now, but the, like Sean Casey came to mind as the type of player that Nolan Shenwell could be. And now that I'm looking at Casey's stats, you know, K right. And like 10 to 15%. And it got down into the high, like into the teens, like, I'm sorry, into the single digits, like 9 8% for a good chunk of his career. And most of the time, you know, at his peak, 20 to 25 homers, and it was less than 10. I mean, what what do you think about Schoenwell? Where he's going, I think it's fine. Um, it's hard to make bad picks in this range when they're going to get playing time. I think he's going to get that. I just... I guess my thing is just the power. I don't really expect him to hit for a ton, but he is young and he should play. So sometimes when you get into these spots and drafts, like pick 400, you really just, there's points where you just want to be like, I just want to lock in some playing time. I do think he'll have that more so than honestly, maybe anyone on this list. I think he might be the most likely or at least, you know, top two or three out of these 10 to get at bats yep. this season. I just don't see, like, Angels aren't good. 
He's their first round pick this last year and already made the majors. He's probably going to play. Do I expect the stat line to be earth shattering? No, but we all kind of know with at bats sometimes comes better production than you would expect. And I wouldn't be shocked if we looked up and he was a slight value, you know, so I don't mind him. I wonder if, if they signed Cody Bellinger, if they would put him at first base, <laughs> like you were saying all that. And I've immediately thought yeah. of Cody Bellinger again and just stick him in the minors. Cause they're like, I'll, oh, I just don't know if he's providing enough. I don't know. Like they could put Bellinger in the outfield. I mean, they've got Mon- yeah. Moniac out there, Taylor Ward. I don't know what route they'd go if they did that. Yeah, I would I would guess that they probably put Bellinger in the outfield. Yeah. But I think so too. Yeah, it's hard to say. They got they could move Rengifo around. They can move Drury around a little bit. They could move Bellinger around. Yeah. Who else but, we Oh, I hope I mean as much as I as much as I'm not the biggest Bellinger fan, I hope for his sake he doesn't go to the Angels, man. <laughs> That would just, that's just depressing. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be bad, but I, I mean, he's got to go somewhere. Yeah. yeah um, anybody else here you want to touch on? I mean, Alex Kirloff, I mean, was a former big prospect who finally played some in the majors. It felt like he got more play, but I mean, still shoulder issues. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Kirloff's somewhat interesting in this range. I just, when you take a guy like him, I just would go into it not expecting much of anything. And, you know, you just hope for the best. But um, I don't mind him as a dart in this area. Probably has more upside than anybody on this list outside of Manzardo. And he has so, first base outfield both, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then some of these other ones, like, I'm pretty much – for most of the other ones, I did take Santana in this last draft. It's just kept falling and falling, and I think he'll probably land a job on a bad team if I had to guess. But I I think that for most of these guys, I'm just waiting and waiting. If one of them drops a ton, you know, maybe I'm taking them. But typically in most drafts, I'm going to have two or three first basemen before I even get here. And then um, I'm not like necessarily trying to fill it as I'm here, you know. So I'm probably not going to have too much of the guys in this group. I do think when you get to a certain range, especially in draft and holds, and it's not quite at this point yet where these guys are going, but the the pitchers that are going are just better picks than – the hitters, like the late pitchers, I would rather have than the late hitters. And I think that's a reason. There's there's articles and data over time that late pitchers hit, like the hit rate on them is just higher than it is on the late hitters. And usually when a lot of these guys are going, I'm, I'm taking pitchers or maybe guys at other positions, but I just don't have a ton of interest in most of these guys. I don't see the upside. I think they could lose playing time. Like it's just pretty vanilla. Even the guys that are besides Menzardo, you know, and maybe Kirilov, but you know what I'm saying. I'm just I'm not like building around the idea of taking one of these guys. It's like oh, maybe I need a corner bat, but yeah, I just don't want to bank on any of them. Honestly, that's like 
I've really struggled taking them in the reserve rounds right here too and have waited. And the next thing I know, I've not liked my first baseman on my reserve. And that is probably a good motivation for me to try to fill my corner with a first baseman. And then because yeah. I think I'm seeing more guys like third base eligible in the reserve rounds that I like that or like I've, you know, second base, third or third short, second, you know, third outfielder. I'm seeing a few more of those than I'm seeing at first base to where that might be a good thing for me to be thinking about in terms of draft and holds about trying to get two first base eligible guys in the starting rounds. So. Yeah, there just gets a point where they're they're pretty bad, you know. It's like they're even when you're getting down into this, like a Brayu Wilmer Flores, which I I don't I don't necessarily mind Wilmer Flores dual eligible and stuff, and he's going to play. But like you start getting much beyond that, and they're just not that good. And I'd rather kind of shore some of that up a little bit earlier, I think, but. Yeah, every draft different. You just kind of have to think about all that. So these are the guys going between 400 and 600 uh, with out first base 41 through 50. We got Rowdy Tellez with Pittsburgh at 427. Ryan Noda, 429 with Oakland. Kevin Biggio with his first base, second base outfield eligibility at 469. Matt Mervis, trendy guy last year with the Cubs, 479. CJ Crone, who's a free agent still, at 489, Jake Bowers with Milwaukee, I think if I have that right. Uh, first base outfield eligible at 529. Gabriel Arias, uh, one first base shortstop at 531. Gio Urshela with the Angels, uh, first base, third base at 561. Brandon Belt, who's a free agent. Don't know, like I, I don't know if he said he's playing this year or not. 566, and Nick Lofton at 579 with the Royals. Like, first question, over under 100 plate appearances for your Cubs for Matt Mervis in 2024? Over. Okay. So, does that mean you like trying to take him right here? Or have you been, have you grabbed him uh, yet? I haven't yet. I think it's fine to take him here. But I just, I question a little, like, how committed they are to him. If they, you know, if they signed somebody like Hoskins tomorrow, I wouldn't be shocked. And then obviously it's a not as clear of a path. I do think given like what they have right now, if they just if they just went into the season exactly the way they are right now, which I don't necessarily think they will, but if they did, I think that there's an opening for him to at least get a shot. I I, I want to see him get a shot. I, he's been pretty good in the minors. And by a shot, I don't mean 40 bad at bats and then sent back down. You know, I don't know. What did he have last year? 99 was a minute. at bats. Yeah, so I don't really consider that a shot. I'm more of the long view, the long-term guy. Like, I, I'm talking half a season when I say give him a shot. Um, and I do still think that teams – a lot of teams are too reactionary to short-term outcomes in baseball. I feel like guys come up bad week or two, they're sending them back down. And I'm just like, why'd you even bring them up in the first place? Like we all know that anybody can do anything in a week, two weeks. So I, yeah, I feel pretty strongly about that. I think Mervis deserves a shot unless they want to go. I don't mind if they go an alternate route like Hoskins or sign somebody 
but if they don't, I think he deserves a shot as much as anybody that they would be likely to play at first base. So, yeah, I think he, I think he should over that. You, you said it uh, at the beginning of that is you question how much they believe in him, and I do too. I, I question that. I think they'll bring somebody in. I don't know who, yeah. but I think they're going to bring somebody in, and um, yeah, I don't know if he's going to get that shot. Probably take some in. It's going to take some injuries. Um. Do you think CJ Crone or Brandon Belt end up starting on an MLB team this year? Uh, probably for short periods. I don't think any team is is like banking on either one of them, but I think that they're guys that I could see getting at bats. I actually I took I think I took Cronin. It was I think it was my first draft this offseason. And I actually was thinking like couldn't you? I, I don't know why I thought this, but I was like, I could just see him going to Japan or something. You see that? Well, uh, actually, you say he that. Like, Kevin, he like Kevin Crone, his brother, was somebody who I had in the Dynasty League, and Kevin went to Japan. <laughs> yeah. And I yes, was, I think it's possible. Yeah, I was thinking like the profile of a guy that just ends up over there. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that. I was like, oh, man. Like, I think when you get down into this range, it's it is possible that he also gets at bats in the majors, and it's like a decent pick. But I was like, oh, I'm going to wake up one of these days, and it's going to be like signed a two year deal in Japan or a one year deal in Japan. It feels and like I'm it's about an equal chance of both. Completely wasted a pick, yeah. So I I just be I'm always kind of aware like when it's um, a free agent that's either old, well, usually an older one that I also just don't think is great. Like I do I wonder about this with Justin Turner a little bit until he signs. I do think Justin Turner's going to sign though, but I also just say, you know, he could just retire. Yeah. And that's it, you know, and then you've wasted I mean, some people would say you're not wasting much. It's a whatever round pick, but like every pick obviously has value and stuff. So I I do actively think about that when guys aren't signed. I didn't used to, but who was it the other day that uh, – oh, Michael Brantley, which yep. he's going super late. But, I mean, he just up and retired. No, you know? here's your good example. It was two years ago. It was um, Kyle, Kyle Seeger. Yeah. yeah. And I took yeah, him I as him. a starting third baseman when I waited on third base that year. Like, that was a year where I only did one draft. And he was my starting for third baseman coming out of yeah. the draft. Yeah, there is value this time of year with just having a contract when you get down here. Like I was saying with Nolan Shanwell, like he's not going to Japan at least, you know. And if that's the most you can say for him, I guess it's telling you all you need to know. Maybe that's rough, but I mean, I am thinking sometimes when I'm when I'm looking at or all the time when I'm looking at guys in this range, it's like I'm always thinking the likelihood of him signing and all of that. I mean, I like I said in this last draft, I took Carlos Santana. I want to say it was round thirty. It was around thirty-one. And I considered the fact that he could retire, but I also was like, you know, he had, he had a good enough season last year. And I do think it's likely that he, he signed somewhere. And once he does that, I think he's playing. So, um, yeah, you just gotta be picky about those spots and when in doubt, just keep passing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think you just have to be aware of that when you get into these ranges of drafts. 
I'm looking at the Oakland A's roster right now because I'm like, when I thought of Carlos Santana, I immediately thought of the Oakland A's. I actually thought Pittsburgh would be possibility, but they get they, they got they've um, already t- signed Tellez. They so, signed yeah. Tellez, yeah, right, right. The, you know the A's have Ryan Noda at first. They got Brent Rooker at DH, so they um they could stick. Let's see, Blade, Seth Brown, and Esther Ruiz in the outfield. Yeah, they could they could bring in Santana and move some guys around. I don't know if that's the spot, but that was the one that came to mind. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a bad team i don't think he walks enough and he was playing for the brewers so i mean i two years we'll ago see. he was we'll with see. the pirates last year was it I yeah he was with the brewers. it was two brewers years Park. ago he was with the brewers okay yeah. just with two teams this two teams this past okay year. maybe he was traded to the pirates during the season i thought he started the year there but how that does maybe yeah. no maybe you're right and he was traded during the season and he was originally with the pirates and then traded to the brewers i bet that's what it was how are we not able to pull this up well if you're on fan graphs if you're on roster resource that does split them yeah but fan graphs it does not that's an annoying thing about fan graphs one of the little things i would change if i could so anyways uh anybody else on this list you want to discuss anybody of interest we got Telez and Noda. Both could be, you know, had around round. No, three. no. I have drafted Kevin Biggio a couple of times. First base, second base, outfield. I think um, as long as he's active, I think he's probably one of those guys that's like, um, you know, maybe not like an everyday player, but I think with that flexibility in this spot of the draft, I think it can have some value. So I don't hate him. But uh, no, not not too much impact here. I don't think it's it's mostly just filling in. And um, if you don't like any of these guys, it's it's fine to pass on all of them, really. Yeah. What about guys after six hundred here? I'm not going to list them, but I've I've listed them for you. Anybody after six hundred that is um, you know an end game guy that you might go after that Santana maybe some valuable. Santana did split with Pitt in Milwaukee okay. this year. And last year, split with KC and Seattle. So, yeah, he's been all over the place. He's great for the Immaculate Grid, guys. And yeah, yeah. The that's, one, that's good call. Here's, here's a little thing about that Immaculate Grid. Do you, do you still play that? I don't remember. No. I, I actually played it religiously when it first came out, and then I started playing the basketball and football. I wasn't near as good at those. I was pretty oh, good terrible. at the baseball. I was pretty good at the baseball one. but um, And then it just wore off and I stopped. I I haven't played it in a while. Carlos Santana is great for the Philadelphia Phillies anytime they're up because everybody everybody must forget he played there because he played that one year when he signed the four-year deal and then was traded. Yeah. Carlos Santana, if I ever see the Phillies, he's one I try to remember if if it's one of the other teams. Yeah. I always got to that point with that game where I was – I think the best – way to play it is when you really just think like don't just put yes the first person in because it gets to a point where if you know it and you can get all nine you're just trying to get the lowest score at least that's what i was doing and so i would really like think it out and uh yeah it's a lot of fun i should probably get back into it but i I just haven't done it lately you know i have one irrelevant player now that we're getting completely sidetracked that i use um a lot and that is brett tomko you remember him 
Yeah. Brett Tomko Pitch, is pitcher. Yep, pitcher. He was with the Cardinals and terrible, so I have I've always hated him. And he came up through the the red system, if I recall. And he played on every West Coast team except the Angels. Like he actually played for Seattle, San Francisco, San Diego, the Dodgers, um, and then down he played in Texas briefly, and then he played for the Cardinals and Royals and Reds. And because of that West Coast thing, it's easy for me to remember which teams they were. And I use him, and he's like 0.2% every time one of those teams is listed. So there's there's my little one for anybody listening that pl- still plays that game. Okay, so let's actually try talking about guys after 600 here. Is there anybody, like, who who from this list could give some late value that is an in-game guy possibly? Or is there one? Oh, man, I don't really want to draft anybody here. If I had to pick one, you've got 18 guys listed. Obviously, they're not even worth reading off. Nope. I would probably take old man Joey Votto. Yep. Do you think he's going to be playing this year? And don't get me wrong, I agree. I Well, you don't have to agree because it's not like I feel stronger about this. <laughs> I mean, we're uh, totally throwing darts here. But um, I did hear something, or I read something today, I think it was, where it was like a few teams are interested, and then people were just speculating on what teams, but they didn't say which teams. So who knows? I, you saw us really right? Just really, about two I think the ago. main. No, I didn't. Um, Which one? Did you ever see the movie? Um, oh shoot, the Sandra Bullock movie where they were stuck in space. Gal, Gal, oh shoot. No. Um, no. Hang on, I've I've got my plex here open. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Well, t- just to give every, just to give anybody listening while you're looking that up, the top guy listed here is Connor Joe. So just for like context of. Uh, the players we're talking about, but yeah, I I only say that because I I feel like if Votto signs, he's probably just a sign away from playing some somewhere. Yeah, uh, no, and most of these guys, I, I don't even think you can project that for. Votto's not going somewhere to be a backup so, or a part time player. Yeah, he's just going to retire. The movie but, is great. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, he's, I haven't seen it. He said he like in that movie, um, Sandra Bullock and I want to George Clooney are in space. And they get like they get disconnected out there, and they're they're out there in the middle of no like in the dark, like no no communication from anybody. And Joey Votto compared his free agency to being like the Sandra Bullock in the movie Gravity, where he's just out here and getting no calls and nobody. He just feels completely left alone in the dark. It was a great tweet. Got a lot of buzz that day. Yeah. Um, I think I'd t- I think I'd take Dr- Dominic Smith. You know, I I don't know if he's one that could come and get at bats again. We're talking in game, just getting at bats. I do want to bring up Luke and Baker, and I don't. I'm not even saying this for a guy that I would draft in a draft and hold, but he's a guy who I like, but I hate his situation. You know, the Cardinals have had their quite of quite a few guys like him that they that were blocked in St. Louis and then go somewhere else and blow up, and I feel like I'm gonna see a replay of Luke Voigt happen with this guy possibly in a few years. He had thirty three homers and eighty four games in triple A this last year, leading the minor leagues during at points during the season. The pops there. He might be a short side platoon guy in the majors, but if he was to get a full time run, he could be useful. Not drafting him, but like if I was in a le- if if he was to get moved 
or he was to get playing time, I would give consideration to grabbing him. But odds are he's not worth it. I'm not grabbing him right now. Yeah, one guy that you listed actually that uh, shout out to Dennis Timko in my draft and hold currently drafted Troy Johnston in round 43. Okay. Now I was I was looking into him a little bit more when he drafted him, and I think that could be a sneaky one too. He's been good in Double A AA and Triple A for uh, Miami. Okay, a good. The last couple last couple years, and yeah, I could see potential opening there. Where, like when he made the pick, I was kind of like, "Oh, I haven't seen that name much uh-huh. lately." And then I, I kind of was looking, and I was like, you know, last year between double and triple wow. A, this guy had twenty six home runs and twenty four steals. And it's not like Miami is bleeding with offensive players, you know? I mean, I could see him potentially getting in there. So maybe that should have been my pick, but just wanted to shout him out. I That's a great call. I thought, thought that was a good one. Yeah, Josh Bell's their first baseman. Avisel Garcia's their DH right now. Yeah, he could if he's performing, he could get himself into some at bats. That's a good call. I like that one. Yeah, they're they're one of those teams that if anyone is performing, they're probably figuring it out because they don't, they just don't have a ton of offense, you know? So mm-hmm. 26, yeah, anybody, 27. Yeah. It, anybody that could get in there. Yeah. I like that one. Okay. Um, close this out here. Which first baseman do you think you'll end up with on the most teams of yours at the end of this draft season? And I'm trying, I was trying to think of who I even have on the most teams. Now I think, <laughs> Because I've gone mostly different. I think I do have Vinny on two so far, and I don't I think I might have Drury on two as well. But um, I would say it's hard to say exactly who will be on the most teams, but in terms of guys, I see myself drafting uh, Freeman or Harper potentially early. Uh I could see I'll probably have Vlad on a few teams. Goldschmidt, I like. Cassis, I like. Cassis, I'm not as sure because with Cassis, it's going to – like I'd like to say I'd have him on a lot of teams, but it's going to be a combination of I didn't take a first baseman early most likely and I was the one that was the most aggressive on him. And every draft I'm in, he's he's just seems like he's going higher and higher. Um. But I do like him and Vinny. And then later, like I don't mind Hoskins, haven't gotten him yet. Drury and Rizzo, Justin Turner potentially, all those guys. I think those will be kind of the first baseman that I'm owning mostly. Maybe Mount Kessel too. This might be the but. position where I have the least amount of – um similar players like in terms yeah. of i i think that this is a position that like you like you were saying i think it's going to be similar for you is you're not really there's not a big number on one guy um yeah i if i had to pick one i'd pick torkelson um i think he's the one i like the most i've already grabbed a share of him i've done three drafts and i have zero overlap amongst first basemen so far except for dominic smith and i'm not answering dominic smith so <laughs> Torkelson's going to be it. Um, we've talked about some like 
We've talked about Steer. We've talked about Bellinger. Are those the first baseman you're not touching at their ADP? Is there anybody else you want to add in there? Yeah, I would probably say um, Steer and Bellinger would be probably be the main two. I don't really see anybody else that's going that high that I'm like, no, I wouldn't do it. So I think with Olsen, it probably has to fall exactly right for me to get him. Mm-hmm. Like I'm at, like I'm at 14 and I get him at like 17. He's, he'd probably be about right around 16, 17, 18 for me. And I'd have to be in that slot, exact guys in front. And then I'm not, I'm not opposed to taking him, but, it would have to fall perfect, yeah. I think, for me to actually get a share, you know. So, but yeah, I, I think that uh, this position, I'm mostly just looking for value, like where I'm comfortable. I think there's multiple options: early, middle, late, um, and depending on how the rest of my draft goes, you know. I could see myself taking an early one. I could see myself waiting. But yeah, there's there's options kind of all over the place that I'm I'm okay with. So and like I said, I think if you get in a pinch and you miss all of them early, I think you can still get some guys like past pick two hundred and make it work. I do. I think you can do that. I think I'm with you there. Uh the only two I was gonna add to it, Isaac Paredes and um Nathaniel Lowe, but they're not as early as Steer and Bellinger, but those are the other two that I think I won't like. I'm I'm not touching at their ADP. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we did it. We've got first base also done. So, um, are we just going to keep going around? Are we doing second base next week? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. This was a this was a fun one. It was. There's a lot of uh, a lot of interesting names and okay. young, old breakout potential. So yeah, I'd be curious to see how the position unfolds yeah but it, it doesn't seem like we're either one of us are locked into one i think we might have stronger takes on guy like i i, I have a feeling as we go around the diamond here like we'll we'll have more guys that we're like yeah this is a guy i'm really in on and i know i know we both will have one on second base next week so yeah okay well we'll be back then thank you all for listening until then take care everybody yeah take care guys Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 